Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Indeed, we are. Happy Monday to everyone, or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to us. It really doesn't make any difference, but it's a happy Monday for us. <laughs> We're starting off the week as we normally do with Louie and Anne-Marie. Uh, and uh, I, guys, I, I haven't really checked in much with what's going on. I know that you guys are dealing with uh, um, the aftermath of the passing of Queen Elizabeth over there in the UK. Uh, but uh, how are things are going on with your... Well, I mean, Louie may not be. I don't know. Anne-Marie is, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I mean, how are you guys faring? I mean, how, how are things going? God yeah, save the it- king. God yeah. save the king. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. She's she's a, a lovely lady, and she's been amazing. Um, but like everything, everything comes to an end. It's it a fresh does, start it? for the country, but it's bringing out beautiful things. Uh, I, I know how much so. coverage uh, her passing is getting here in the U.S. I can only imagine how much coverage it's giving getting in the U.K. I mean, it's probably like wall to wall. I would imagine. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's understandable. I mean, she, what, six, how many years? 60, 68? 96. How many? She, 96, isn't it? No, no, how many years was oh, she uh, in her reigning? 70. She just had a platinum jubilee. She just, she just finished 70. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 70 years. Just, yeah. That's Long just amazing. Time. Yeah. Right. I remember the whole country ran out of flowers when Lady Diana passed away. I can mm. only imagine it's probably happening again. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yep. Well, we will send our best wishes and condolences to the royal family. And meanwhile, we will continue conversations here because we have uh, some cool conversations to have. Natalie is, uh, well, she's a coach and, and she's a coach specifically who helps women, particularly focusing on overweight, exhausted, stressed out women. I wonder how many of those there are. Not too many. <laughs> oh, just a couple. <laughs> But uh, she she's really into the into helping them with some real you know proven real world techniques that, that she's discovered in her own life and has applied in her own life, um, which is an interesting life by the way. Uh, not only did, did she experience some significant weight loss, she's also a fifth degree black belt. That, that's that's pretty cool, and she's involved oh, with a, a Japanese taiko <laughs> drumming group. Like, okay, th- this is yes. going to be fun. This is going to be an interesting conversation. So, yeah. Natalie Feynman, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. It's really an honor to be here. It's great to have you. And uh, I, I'm thinking at some point you and Louie are going to exchange some sort of uh, Asian thing because you're both uh, black belts in different disciplines. But, you know. Oh, really? What do you yeah, study, Louie? Uh, just Kung Fu. Nice. Mm. So at some point, Dan Marie and I are going to have to, you know, like dive for the desk or something just, just to get out of the way of the flying <laughs> oh, I, I nearly hit a black belt in Taekwondo, but I damaged my ankle, so I, I had to stop. <laughs> ah, Okay. Well, you knew what your limit was. That's okay. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your story. I kind of hit some of the highlights, but tell us a little bit more. Yes. Well, I am also a veterinarian uh, for the last 31, almost 32 years now. Wow. Okay. And so that was really, I think, kind of the catalyst that led me both to the weight loss journey and towards coaching because veterinary medicine, I don't think a lot of people really have a full appreciation for how stressful it is and how much, how much anxiety and depression and even suicide there is in the profession. And, uh, particularly, 
Why is that? Because long hours, no uh, work-life balance. Um, there's there's never a minute of the day when your phone isn't buzzing with somebody needing something from you. Clients are never happy. Um, you know, there's there's always a sad situation with an animal. It's also very sad when you can't provide the care that you know the pet needs because the owner can't afford it. Um, owners can be extremely abusive if they don't get what they want at the price they think they should get it for. They don't think that you deserve a day off or a vacation or a lunch hour or any personal time whatsoever. And do, do you think, uh, Natalie, that uh, dog uh, pet owners in general are, um, what's the word, overly concerned with their animals? Overly is the operative word. I know, I don't think so, but a lot of people have the idea that they shouldn't be responsible for the cost of their pet's medical care. Mm-hmm. People have this idea that, oh, you're a veterinarian, you love animals, so why are you charging me this much? Or they have no idea, you know, we have to pay our employees, we have to pay our expenses. Oh, the yeah. medications that we have to keep on stock are not cheap. The equipment that we have to keep in order to provide the care is not cheap, and it's constantly breaking down. Um, my poor boss, uh, she works like a slave and I think honestly that she probably pays me more than she pays herself. So it's, uh, you know, nobody goes into veterinary medicine for the money, but we also go into it for the abuse and the long hours and the no weekends and the no holidays and the sleepless nights. And after, you know, for me personally, after 32 years of that, it just got to the point where I was in the depths of misery and depression and I didn't want to do what I do anymore. And I didn't really see a way out. And there's been several veterinarians in my County in the last five years that have actually euthanized themselves, commit suicide Hmm. just because of, you know, depression, various other reasons. One I think was in the midst of a divorce. So it's, it's really sad when, when people get to the point where they just don't see any other way out. And I saw myself getting there. And I, I really am so grateful that I just completely by accident discovered life coaching because that just really lit a fire in me that has led me to the path that I'm on today. And I think for the first time in 30 years, I really look at the future with optimism. Not only that, I look at my present day life with optimism when it, it just used to feel like such a weight that I had to carry around with me all the time. And my mindset has completely shifted. And I honestly, I, I have, I have my original coach to thank for, for leading me to this path and everything that has happened as a result of that. It, it always coach. starts with mindset, doesn't it? It's always mindset that Absolutely. comes through. Absolutely. Yeah. What kind of coach? Um, originally it was a weight loss coach, but little did I know when I joined this weight loss group, I thought I was going to lose weight. But what actually happened was I learned how to be a happier person. I learned how to love and respect myself again. I learned how to bring the better version of myself to all my relationships, to stop blaming other people for the way I felt, to stop I mean, blaming the world for the way my mm-hmm. life was. And um, the weight loss was like a side effect of me just becoming a calmer, happier person. Having helped people with weight loss myself, it sounds like a brilliant group. Oh, what absolutely. is it? Which group is it? <laughs> it's called No BS Weight Loss and Corinne mm-hmm. Crabtree is the coach who runs it. And she, I give her full credit. She is the coach that changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it is because of her that I went on to become a coach myself. 
and that I'm now on the journey that I am, which has completely changed my life. And I'm, I'm so grateful for her. Brilliant. Truly. That's really good. And, yeah. and it's, it's fabulous that you were able to, I, I, you, I, I'm not quite sure if you're giving yourself credit because I think you deserve it or if you're giving your coach credit, but one way or another, you managed to notice something and decide to do something about it. And that's something that a lot of people don't really do. Oh yeah. Quite honestly, a lot of people oh, yeah. just, you know, they'll, they'll crash and burn before they notice anything. And you know, well, I was the same way. Like I, I tried all the diets. I, I tried every gimmick. I tried every exercise program. And it was only when I had tried and failed at everything that I was like, well, I haven't tried this before. It's not going to work either, but here we go. <laughs> and lo and behold, I like the light bulbs just started going off in my head. Get rid of the BS and, uh, yes. Well, I yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I finally realized that, you know, it, it, my, my coach actually said this and it really stuck in my head that people think that they need to lose weight to be happy, but it's the other way around. You need yeah. to learn how to be happy yeah. and then the weight loss takes care of itself. Because so much of the reason why we eat is to try to make ourselves feel better because we don't have a better tool for managing our emotions. Exactly. Yeah. And that's true for almost any kind. I won't, I'll take the word almost out. That's true for any kind of addiction. Absolutely. Because basically addiction, a negative, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase it that way. I'll call it negative. There's actually such a thing as a positive addiction. I found that out by doing a podcast. It's wonderful. I love it. I recommend it to everybody. But for the other kinds of of addictions, the negative ones, every single one of them is associated in some way with trying to mask pain, trying to, to mask something that you just don't want to have to face and deal with. Absolutely. It's a way to change how you're feeling in the moment to distract yourself from the painful emotions that you don't want to face and damn the consequences. You'll take care of it later. And it just, they just keep piling up and piling up and you just keep pushing them off. And before you know it, like I woke up one day and I was 240 pounds and I was like, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and later does come. That, that's the really annoying yeah. part. Yeah. It, it I shows think up my big wake up moment was when I tore my ACL and I, I, hmm. I realized that if I had been a normal weight, that probably wouldn't have happened. Hmm. So you reached a, you reached a, a literal breaking point. Yep. <laughs> it's often, it's amazing how often we, we humans want to uh, keep going until we get the two by four and say, okay, all right, I, I'm listening. I'm listening. You know, yeah, because like rules are important to me. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to take yeah. care of myself. I'm fine. The rules are for other people. Right. <laughs> Bad things happen to other people. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's talk about the mindset side then. So you, you recognize the issue, then what? I, it wasn't all at once there. I, I had a series of Eureka moments, one just kind of building on the last, but it really like the common theme to everything that really clicked in my brain and really started to, to produce results on the scale was about talking to myself better, treating myself better, not being my own worst bully, not tearing down my own self-esteem and really just creating that faith and that that trust in myself that had been missing from my life for so long. I, mean, I think part of part of that whole self-sabotage cycle is, you know, you are, oh, yeah, I really want to lose weight, but deep in the back of my mind, I've never been able to lose weight before. I don't really believe I can do it, but I feel like I have to make a half-assed attempt. And so um, if I don't really believe I'm going to do it, then there's no sense in saying no to this donut or, or stress eating at the end of the day. And I just, I create my own evidence for the fact that I can't do it 
But if I shift that belief, then everything else just kind of takes care of itself. Like I said, the, the weight loss part of it for me, it felt effortless, but the deep emotional work was really what, what took a lot of effort and, and a lot of, um, a lot of regrouping and trying again. There was a lot of bad days and, uh, it definitely wasn't a straight line, but, uh, it, it really just all comes down to learning how to believe in yourself and learning how to talk better to yourself. Cause I think the statistic I heard was we, we have over 60,000 thoughts per day and 90% of them are negative and almost all of them are about ourselves. And if your own voice in your head is the most influential voice in your life and it's a constant litany of you suck, you, you, you're a fake, you're an imposter, you can't do this. You've never stuck to anything in your life. You don't deserve it. I know who nobody perseveres in, in the face of, of that kind of self-talk, at least not for long. Yeah, that's a great point. It's also uh, a, a particularly annoying fact that, yeah, we have all those negative thoughts and yeah, we have negative thoughts every day, but it's the same negative thoughts. We repeat them. We yeah. say, okay, it wasn't good enough that I did it yesterday. Let's do it again today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Exactly. The next day. exactly. Oh. And by, by doing that, you create so much of your own emotional pain and we only have one way of making ourselves feel better, right? Most of us, we eat or we drink or, you know, whatever our distraction of choice is. That's mm -hmm. our only tool. So we're, we're creating our own pain, which we have no tools to solve except the thing that's helping us to create more of that pain. And it just becomes this big toilet spiral. So interrupting that cycle is really the most important thing, I think, that happened to me. Good new technical term, the, the toilet spiral. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is good. Now you made the, you made the decision, or at least you became aware that you needed to make the decision. Yeah. And th this is where it always gets very interesting for me. When, once you made that decision, was it like, yes, I've made this decision. I am now making changes. I'm just going to get it done. Was it like dragging your heels for a time? Was mm -hmm. it bouncing back and forth? What, what was the experience at that point? I think I fought myself every step of the way. I, I came up with this list of like 10 Eureka moments that were probably like the biggest game changers for me when I was when I was losing my weight. And I resisted learning every single one of them mm. because I, I think I still had that mentality that, uh, you know, it's not going to work or it's not going to work for me. It may work for other people, but it, it never works for me. And just refusing to let myself believe it until I saw the evidence on the scale and I became more aware of the thoughts that were just parading through my head on a constant basis that were just worse than any bully that, that I ever had to deal with in my life times 10 and on constant loop inside my head. And it was when I finally started to recognize and interrupt that cycle that I think things really started to change for me. Because the more, the more you create your own happiness and, and realize that you are worthy and you are deserving, the more you start to feel better about yourself, the less you need to make yourself feel better by reaching for your favorite distraction, whatever that is. For mm -hmm. me, it was food. And that is a, a transitional process. That doesn't happen mm -hmm. instantly. Oh yeah, uh, it was it was I'm, three years for me. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, three years sounds short to me. <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, just from my own experience, three years. If I had gotten all mine done in three years, I would say, yeah, ooh, all right. <laughs> yeah, the journey's never over. You just keep leveling up over time. 
Oh my goodness. And you're absolutely right. We are so rough on ourselves. We just beat the crap out of ourselves mm-hmm. so, so often, except for Louis. He never does, but um, the rest of us do. And <laughs> <laughs> he's chuckling right now. He knows I love him just the way he is. He's fabulous. Uh, but it, we really are. We're just, we're just so darn rough on ourselves. And I think it's one of the hardest things to come to grips with that we really are that that tough on ourselves that we just because yeah. it does it, it's one of those things you you kind of sneak up on yourself with you know you do a little bit here a little bit there a little bit here mm-hmm. you don't really notice the totality of it right right that's why people don't realize the damage they're doing to themselves but the truth is that we say such nasty destructive things to ourselves we would never say to another human being right and yeah, so that's my friend we wouldn't have a friend my rule is if if i wouldn't say and if, if I wouldn't say something to my mother or my best friend or a child, then I'm not going to say it to myself anymore. Mm. And then how easy is it for you to catch yourself on that? Oh, I catch it all the time. Okay. But I'm, I'm so much more attuned to what's going on in my head now that I'm paying attention than what I used to be because it was on autopilot and I wasn't yeah. really even aware of it. And um, I catch myself like I, I, I notice so much faster now when I'm feeling angry or resentful or frustrated or, you know, whatever the negative emotion is, it's like an instant red warning light now goes off in my brain and I stop and I redirect myself. And, you know, if I can, if I can figure out where it's coming from, great. If not, doesn't matter. I can still shift to at least neutral and hopefully into positive territory. And the, the more you practice interrupting that cycle, the better you get at doing it and the faster it happens. So there was an exercise I learned through one of the training programs I'm in um, called Label with Anchor, where it's it's almost like a, a meditation, although you don't you don't have to be like in a lotus position in a quiet room. I used to do this when I was walking or sometimes even when I was driving. You anchor on your breath or your heartbeat. And as thoughts kind of start to drift into your head, you label what kind of like a broad category, what kind of thought that is. And for me, it was judging myself judging other people, ruminating over something that happened and is long over with or worrying about things that have never happened and probably never will. And that was 95% of what was going on in my head. So once I started doing this on purpose, I realized that it was starting to happen automatically when I was just going throughout my day when I wasn't doing it on purpose. And that really just it really helped me to recognize and, and interrupt that cycle before it had a chance to just kind of accumulate on me over the course of the day. Yeah. It, it, it isn't, like you said before, it isn't really a single aha moment. It's a series, right. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's like an ongoing series of moments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Moments. It's, it's a constant leveling up from one day yeah. to the next. Just try to be 1% better than you were yesterday. So yes, guys, don't you think that uh, it, it would be great if all of us, uh, the first thing we learned at school was mind talk, what it does to us, how to work I with wish. it. I, I every kid across the planet when they're absolutely in the first thing the first thing you yeah. should do is learn to teach people how to yeah. use them and and its fe- effects and the power of it and how it works and, absolutely uh, but what do we teach our kids you're crying oh here have some ice cream oh here have a cookie or i'll take you out for pizza i'll just distract exactly. you exactly and, and that yeah. just becomes this this um, horrible toxic snowball that we you know Vicious we cycle, like that. Yeah. Yeah, and we the, use the way Abram puts it is the chain of pain. I like that. The chain of pain, yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, do you, you know, 
where for people who are confident and really sure of themselves, they also get knocked down by people, you know, oh, you're arrogant or you're conf- too confident or you're full of yourself. Yeah. And I well, find that heartbreaking. Truly confident. <laughs> yeah. Well, part but of that. Get- yeah, no, no, that's fake. That's fake confidence you're talking about there. Not that you get affected by it, but it's just it's just yeah. people's perception is if you're if you are confident and you are secure in yourself, that right. you're being something. So right. people but tend to put thing, other people whatever, down. Whatever somebody else thinks about you or says about you, mm. that's about them. Mm. That's oh the yeah, always. Whatever's coming through their filter, their perceptions, their beliefs, their life experience has shaped that. Absolutely. And that, that may not even be what they're really thinking. They like, like Louis said, it may just be their insecurity, and that's a self-defense reaction. But that's hard. That's a hard thing to notice, though. I mean, that that's really an advanced concept, an advanced understanding to come to. Because most but if you learn it in your first year at school, well, if you, oh well, yeah, if you then it would be easy at that point. That would be wonderful. <laughs> we would have an entirely different world at yeah. this point. <laughs> that was that was another one of my big light bulbs is when when I learned the concept that nobody else can make you feel anything. Like nobody yeah. can make you mad. Yeah. Nobody can make you happy. You do that yourself. Yeah. And everyone else but it's your fault, Natalie. Their feelings. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> we're trying to get away from judging ourselves. We're not trying to encourage you. <laughs> All right, I can take it. By amplifying the contrast. That's how you teach. <laughs> it just goes to show, though, how easy it is to fall into it, to just get into that habit. Even when we're joking. I mean, obviously, we knew what we were doing here when we were joking. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, it, all of our language, all of our cultural thought, all of, mm-hmm. all the stuff that we learn if, because we didn't grow up in the school that Louis talked about is all about feeding constantly this negative cycle. It, yeah. it doesn't just happen to us. I mean, we generate it. Absolutely. And it is very frustrating to me. I joined actually several um, women's weight loss groups on Facebook just so I could see what women are talking about. Oh my God, the bad advice floating around in those groups is it's so hard. to buy <laughs> Yes. But this one lady was posting about how she felt so betrayed and so demoralized because she was working so hard to lose weight and her husband and kids kept ordering pizza every Friday night. And how can they do this to me when they know that it's, and I'm thinking, you know, of course, I can't say this because if you if you disagree with somebody on online, then you just get attacked for not mm. agreeing with them. Mm. But this this speaks to like she has an expectation that her whole family is going to change their behavior so that she can be successful at weight loss. She's well, you mean it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Apparently, in some people's minds, it does. I guess I yeah. we all do this, but we don't even realize it. Like we we think that whatever somebody else is doing, it's about us. It's about sabotaging mm. us or making things harder for us. They're just doing what they do. They like eating pizza. They don't have to give up the things that they love so that I can lose weight. That's my job. Yeah, I want to control you to act in a certain way so I'll feel better. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, that works really well. It works really well. <laughs> it's very exhausting, isn't it? Oh, very. Trying to control others. It's a, yeah, never mind. If you've ever tried to coordinate people, you understand from even that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm a recovering control freak, and that's mm. probably part of why I was so exhausted for the first 50 years of my life. A cliche about OCD is a hard on. one. <laughs> Oh yeah, that makes it even harder. That's that's just let let let's take this really difficult situation I've set up for myself with all this negative thoughts that I've generated over the years, and then let's multiply it by being obsessive about it. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, 
That's a yeah, tough and it just it just makes more work for you, and it disempowers other people, and eventually, like they're afraid to try to do anything of their own initiative because they know that it's not going to be good enough, or you're going to criticize them, and then it just becomes your job forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I was young, I, I stumbled across the people I defined as OSPs, and uh, they were the most frustrating people to deal with or work with or be around. And I defined OSP as oversensitive people. Mm -hmm. You'd say you're lovely, and then you're wrong. You'd say you're bad, you say it's wrong. It doesn't matter what you say, you're mm -hmm. wrong. And they're just oversensitive about anything and everything. And there's nothing you can say or do. Everything's wrong. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I labeled them. I actually gave them that label as a kid, and I still use it today. <laughs> Ooh, as an OSP. <laughs> But it's also not your job to make them feel better about themselves. Exactly. Mm. Absolutely. It's a funny thing, too. When, when, but it's um, your job to make sure they don't bother you. Exactly. Very true. Yes. That can be challenging. That, that's very similar to where I was going, actually, just now. When we have expectations for other yeah. people's behavior, that's just a recipe for being constantly frustrated. Mm. Exactly. But when we stop doing that, when we just make it about, you know, I'm going to appreciate other people and just work on myself, it becomes an entirely mm -hmm. different experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's then people come up to you and there's something different about you. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want did some you, of whatever you're doing. Did, did you change your hair? What was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that the thing that really makes, makes me laugh is a lot of people go through these changes and they suddenly find all the old friends down there. I said, yeah. isn't that great? I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> So yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Because now you're going to draw the people that are more aligned with you. I, I did it in reverse order. I got rid of the friends by driving them away, and then I worked on myself. <laughs> well, well, you have to do it differently. Yeah. I always do. I mean, that's me, <laughs> right? Your calendar, right? <laughs> no, it's true. I, I, well, part of the part of what of the people I drove away, I drove them away deliberately because I didn't want them in my life. But there mm -hmm. were others I drove away without intending to drive them away, and then I was relatively alone, and I didn't understand why. I could, I, it, it couldn't have been me. <laughs> Never mind that I was the common denominator. That can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just needed the space to be able to do the the work on yourself that you were talking about. Well, it worked. Yeah. I created a lot of space. <laughs> Like and a lot of friends say, well, <laughs> monk on a mountaintop. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Local hermit. Mm. <laughs> and then I but look how many more friends something. you've got, Walt. You've got so many well, more friends now. Yeah, now you have the right kind of friends. I well, exactly, exactly, and it started with exactly what we're talking about here: making the decision to work on myself, mm -hmm. making the decision that I'm the one who needs to get better. And once I start doing that, then things will improve. Even though when I first started, I really didn't see how that was going to happen. I adopted the belief because I didn't really know what else to do anyway. Mm. But I didn't see how it was going to happen. And even as, as I look back at it, I mean, I can tell you the story about how it happened. And I can tell you the series of events. I'm still not quite sure how it happened. I understand the law of attraction. I still don't know how it happened. I really don't com completely grasp what changed other than me. And that me changing led to results. I Beyond that, I can't describe it, but it does. Do you think that part of it might have been just being able to truly be who you are instead of who you think everyone else is expecting you to be? Yeah, that's that's a big part of it for sure. 
uh, because I was, if you, I, I've mentioned this quite a few times. If you had asked me, particularly when I was in my twenties and thirties, um, was I self-confident? I would have said yes. And it would have been a complete lie, but I believed it. Mm-hmm. I really did believe I was self-confident because I like, like most people, I was saying, well, the problem is everybody else. So it can't be me. Oh, I'm confident. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Looking back on it, now I can look at it in an entirely different light and realize, well, I certainly, I mean, there's no black and white here. It's not like I was totally non-confident or totally self-confident. It's always somewhere in the middle. But I can think of a lot of different ways that I really lacked confidence and that I have learned to build confidence on since then. And I can look at the ways that I'm still looking to build confidence. Mm-hmm. But that, I, I mean, I think it's really, really interesting, the journey of understanding really what confidence is, because in the beginning, we oh, think yeah. we know what it is, but no we really idea. don't. We no. go down the line of it. <laughs> no. What about well, the confidence to be uncomfortable? Absolutely. To know, to, that's to that's a greater confidence. Where you don't really know yeah. what, what you need to be or what you need to do and just be okay with it and trust yourself to figure it out on the way. And I know uh, speaking I, for myself. I know speaking for myself, particularly when I was young, and I think this is partly generational. I I was in a place for a large portion of my life where life confused me, people confused me, circumstances confused me. I didn't understand anything that was going on. I mean, I could I could give you the standard explanations about A, B, and C, you know, whatever it was, but deep down, none of it made sense to me. And that's something that took me time to overcome largely for the reasons that we're talking about here, because I really hadn't developed a sense of myself as an acceptable thing, as an acceptable piece. And in the context of, like you're saying, Louie, people, you know, behaving in ways or, or reacting to me in ways that defied my understanding. And so I didn't know how to react to it. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to, how, how to interact. And so I couldn't make sense of the world as a result. But by taking the time to work on myself over time, then all of a sudden, this sounds strange to me to say it even now, it all started to make sense. It's like, you know, I've, I've seen, filled in. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I've seen Jim Rohn live. I don't know if you know Jim Rohn. You've talked about John, Jim quite a bit. I don't yeah. really, I've never seen his stuff, but yeah. Self-development guy, really um, business coach, etc. Um, but He's extremely clear. Everything he says is very clear. And one of these great sayings is for things to change, you have to change. Mm. And I had somebody who was um, in a paranoid situation, paranoid about people hacking into their accounts and this, that, and the other, and attacks and all the rest of it. And the energy was just so so all over the place that I was really surprised. I, I didn't realize how much somebody could be totally spiraled out mm. um, like that. And uh, I mentioned that statement, for things to change, you have to change. And that was rebuffed massively. <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, and, and then the justifications came pouring out. Mm. It was really, really interesting. Um, just to sit there and, and watch them go through this and just with your own centeredness, hopefully it helps. Because saying much doesn't really help anything. So you just keep your own center, keep your center, keep your center. And that's what I did the whole time. That's the thing with insight with other people is if it's not their idea or if they they think Mm. it's not their idea, then they reject it or they'll resist it. And they'll they'll look for evidence to support whatever their point of view is. Loads of evidence and loads of evidence. (laughs) 
Well, no, because that's right. working for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you can't create a new reality, a new outcome in your life if you keep doing the same old things and thinking the same old way, because that's what created the life you have now, by definition. That's a hard truth I mean, to come to. I said to her that, you know, knowing the law of attraction, you're going to have to get into that positive, happy place first before I can really be of any service or help to you. You know, and, you know, I can help you work on that aspect, but I'm not going to, I don't really want to help you on your, your technical issues, which I'm very conversant in. I'm an IT guru. So, you know, I, I could help her. So I eventually did just go down and help her with all the IT and just remain centered because she was not prepared or ready to do anything else. So, um, but yeah, it, it's a journey for people and, um, you, you don't worry about it after a while. You realize that if you understand the law of attraction again, that if it gets worse, it's just going to get worse and it's going to get worse and it's going to get even more worse and it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse something breaks, you know, something changes, um, either dead or, or you change, you know, one of them. Yeah. The, those are the extremes that actually the, the, the rabbit hole that you go down. So yeah, it's just, um, it's quite fun to, to watch the whole process because, you know, I haven't been that close to somebody who's that out of kilter for a while. And, um, it's really a, a bit of a wake up call for me of, of how out of center people can become. Yeah, the, the, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that whatever reality you are setting up for yourself, whatever you believe about the world, whatever you believe about yourself, that becomes true. So if you can create whatever truth that you want to create for yourself, why would you choose one that causes you pain? But most people don't believe that. They believe there's things that are foreordained and destiny and all mm-hmm. these kind of things. And you know, as soon as I get to that stage, I say, we're not here to face reality. We're here to create reality. And, right. It's because most people don't really grasp the idea that the elements that, that create happiness don't come from outside yourself. You don't need your circumstances to change. You don't need other people's behavior to change. You need to change from within. You need to change how you think and how you talk to yourself. Yeah. My, nothing has changed about my life. I still have the same job. I, every, my, my, my reality, my circumstances are exactly what they were two, three years ago, but my entire self-talk has changed. My entire perception has changed and I am not nearly as stressed out as I used to be. I have optimism that I've never had before. I have a sense of peace and contentedness that I never had before. And the only thing that changed was what was going on inside my head. Mm. Absolutely. Were you, um, just say, were you just going to say something there, Emery? I thought you were kind of chiming in. Yeah, just go back. It was just like you were saying that, you know, all people need to do is change. But some people just don't want to change. Some people like that mindset and being the victim. It gives them yeah. the attention Most people that don't they crave. Change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But but people, when when they use that that victim mentality, they're they're trying to get attention they're trying to get sympathy or pity that is a poor substitute for actual love and connection is it could do so much better but it does have a great payoff otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it yeah until I'm people not, I, get tired of being around you because yeah. you're constantly complaining about your circumstances and then yeah. you look up and you don't have any friends anymore yeah yep well, that's the other payoff that's, that's the reverse payoff <laughs> <laughs> that's the the pay you to get out of your payoff <laughs> yeah but there, there's but, a Oh, go ahead. There's a friend of my uh, six-year-old daughter at, at school, and uh, 
she often cries to get her own way to blackmail. Mm. If you don't play with me, I'll cry. If you don't do this, I'll cry. If you don't do that, I'll cry. And then I, I had this long discussion on how to deal with that. And I said, never, ever give in. Every time you give in, you're, you're saying to the person, it's okay to blackmail me. Yeah. And all you're doing is harming the person, but you're giving them the idea that this is the way it actually works and this is all right and this is okay. Yeah. Um, you're reinforcing bad behavior. Exactly. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she eventually got it, but it took quite a while to, to get it across. But Put the global part is language. When, when you finally do get it, when you finally do learn to confidently apply it, um, I'm thinking of a situation with my niece many, many years ago. She's now a, a mom in her own right, but this was just when she was, oh, I'm going to say five or six, something like that. And we, my wife and I were living nearby where she was living and she came over to visit one time. And within, oh God, five, 10 minutes of being there, she starts throwing a temper tantrum. And we had never actually seen her do that before. I think I'd heard that she had done it, but we'd never actually seen it. And she, she carries on for a couple of minutes. And then there's like this pause, you know, that's like pause. In, there's a little blank there. It says insert, you know, insert reaction from adult, that kind of a pause going on. And so I, I turned to Louise and I said, is this working for you? And she shook her head. No, it's not working for me. Is it working for you? And I said, no, not working for me either. We both turned to her and said, sorry, it's not working. And that was it. <laughs> that was the end <laughs> of the temper tantrum. It went away. <laughs> My point being, you can get really fast results when you start to actually hold the line and say, no, sorry, I'm not buying it. Yeah. yeah, but if they're used to that being the way they get what they want, the first thing that's uh -huh. going to happen is they're going to escalate and try harder. Yeah. So you really got to stick to your guns. Yes. Yeah, she she was actually a relatively easy case, I have to admit, because she didn't get, often get away with it. Sometimes she did, but not often. But you're right. For someone who gets away with it all the time, that could take a while. It could, it could take a full 15, 20 minutes, actually, but no, or even more. I, <laughs> I had that, I had that moment with my daughter. She was literally in the street, in the shopping center, laid on the floor, screaming and crying. And I was just stood there, just letting her get on with it. And then this lady came over going, oh, what she got thinking she's autistic. I said, she's just got a strong mind. It's fine. And we sat there chatting. And then she's just like there on the floor like, oh, I wasn't really <laughs> expecting this. What's going on? This isn't the way the script is supposed to go. What's going on here? <laughs> so yeah, that never happened reaction. again. <laughs> I take it that was not like a normal thing for her that she was just trying it out that day. Uh, it was. It was quite oh, it a was. normal thing. Oh, it was. Oh, okay. So yeah. uh, it took She's her a while. She's a very, very strong mind, which you don't want to break, but you mm. just want to guide right. in the right way. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a challenge. That's a big challenge. Nat Natalie, it? I have a question though. Yeah. Uh, I see you a bit of an adrenaline junkie there. Uh, why do you say that? <laughs> Scuba diving. What was the other thing I saw? Something with cables or something? something oh, yeah. I, I like to find creative ways to try to kill myself on my, my <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I do, I do that too. I also do scuba diving and skydiving yeah. and a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I've jumped out of a couple airplanes. I've gone on some mm. shark feeding dives. I've, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, gone I've on some shark adventures. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah no, that, that, there's a lot of things when I was looking through your website that you've done that I've done. I oh, used yeah. to, I lost a bit of weight. Um, I used to teach people to lose weight. I run exercise class. I don't know if you've done that, but, um, I've done oh, I teach Kung Fu, Tai Chi, um, 
um, scuba dive, um, skydive. So, yeah, it's like there's, there's a lot of things that are similar in our lives, which is quite interesting. I got a funny I don't story. Know, I really enjoy that, those. Actually. I those, went to those adrenaline. I went to Belize on a, like a jungle adventure tour and I signed up for this excursion that where you, you had to hike to the top of this 300 foot tall cliff and, mm -hmm. and it was, you know, in the mud, slipping and sliding, like almost vertical. And when you get to the top, you basically rappel 300 feet straight down into the bottom of a sinkhole. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the top of this cliff and you look down, that rope just disappears into a black hole. They literally called it the black mm -hmm. hole drop. I hiked up there with this team of football players. Like I think I was in my forties, right? <laughs> Bunch of 20 something huge jocks, right? We, uh, and I'm by myself because the person I was on vacation with wanted no part of it. So <laughs> I hiked to the top of this cliff with all these big jocks and we get there and the guy's like, who's first? Dead silence. I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> the old lady went no, over the cliff first. <laughs> That's one way to so, get to So you were abseiling. Is that, is that what you were doing yes. when you went down? Nice. I love abseiling. Yeah, that was really memorable. Do, do, do you recall how long it took them to be shamed into deciding to go down after you? Well, you know, when the girl went first, all of a sudden, all the big jobs had to do that they <laughs> yeah, were yeah, in. Okay. So, yeah, it didn't take them long to <laughs> didn't take long. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, though. I love that. So, so is he right? You're an adrenaline junkie. Is that is that an accurate depiction? Oh well, only on vacation, I guess. I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't know if you consider jujitsu an adrenaline junkie. That's that's pretty harsh, but that that usually gets most of my uh, my stress out. And then, how, how many years have you been doing that? Um, well, I started martial arts when I was 14, but I started this style of jujitsu in 2019. 19. No, no I'm sorry. Reason. 2009. 2009. Sorry and do they that. have full contact? So it's not a competition sport because we would all go to the hospital. It's uh, it's not the <laughs> jiu-jitsu that you see on TV. That's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. What I do is Japanese jiu-jitsu, and it is, it is self-defense. It is combat. It's multiple attackers, knife, stick, and gun defenses. When your back's against the wall, when you're, mm. when you know, we do a lot of groundwork as well. Yeah, a lot of rolling, and, grappling. Yeah, it's it's not the, the intention is not to stay on the ground because the assumption is always that there's multiple attackers. You need to get up as quickly as possible. So it's it's pure self-defense. And that's what I love about it. It's built for a smaller opponent or a smaller person to defend themselves against a stronger, bigger, stronger or multiple attackers. And um, the few times in my life that I've had to use it, it has really been pretty effective. I've I've had to use like little things like pressure points for, you know, guys that were getting a little pushy on dates and didn't want to take no for an answer. And this one time in particular, I was on a, a first date with a guy that actually I think he owned his own gym, if I remember correctly. I mean, he was a pretty big, muscular guy, much bigger than me. And uh, he was getting a little aggressive, and um, I found a little pressure point right underneath the lats, and he jumped four feet up in the air and four <laughs> feet straight back, and that was the end of that. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, wow. I mean, if you and it, it, I don't even have to injure somebody, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I know the pressure points, and all, all you really need is two fingers, and you need to just know where to put them, and that's the end of it. 
I'm bringing to mind, Louis, the story that you told a couple times recently about the uh, uh, the guys who tried to mug you that one time yeah. and how the thought that kept going through your head over and over again was, what can I do to avoid killing these people? <laughs> Stay out of court. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a funny um, story because I was. A uh, very unlikely candidate. I had a t-shirt and shorts and I was walking next to a shopping center. And these four guys jumped me. One started punching me in the stomach. One started to grab my bag, put myself against the wall and I never stopped walking. And I kind of like raised myself out of the body and I was having a look at this whole scene. And, uh, I'd just done, you know, like five years or six years of Kung Fu and I was like, just ready. And I was like, if I take, hit him in the nose here, send the, the, the bone into the brain, kill him. And all the rest of it. And then, uh, this, this thought came to me. I can either do that or I can sing my, my spiritual word. So I just started singing my spiritual word and they just vanished. All of them just turned around and vanished. And, uh, it was amazing. a fascinating thing because there were two girls in front and they saw this whole thing and, and, uh, they called the guard. The guard popped his head out and, saw this whole thing happening and just went straight back in. He wanted nothing to do with it. Mm. And then as I was going up the escalator, these two girls said to me, weren't you scared? Weren't you scared? I said, no, I didn't want to kill them. <laughs> so I, I just passed the spiritual <laughs> test. I just lost the spiritual test. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a funny story. Right? <laughs> it is a funny story. It's not the way that the kind of story is usually told. That's what makes it so funny. It's really quite outside of the ordinary. But it shows what happens when you learn a discipline like the jujitsu or like the kung fu, and you really learn it. You learn it to the point where you have such a high level of confidence in your ability mm. to defend yourself. You that don't it, need it, to fight. Yeah, it's not even a question anymore. Hundred percent. When I was in college, I was uh, kind of backed up against a wall by three guys coming back from the bar. I was by myself. It was pitch dark, and. I freaked them out so much. They left all three of them. Because <laughs> I was not afraid. I was like, all right, who's first? And there was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Not the reaction we anticipated. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's good. That's, uh, sorting them out to come individually. It's a good, good tactic. Right. Who's first? <laughs> I, I think she likes the adrenaline. My adrenaline's pumping <laughs> just listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been thinking about my own situation I, and I, I've never learned any kind of martial art or anything like that. I've never taken anything that was self-defense, but I also realized I had something that basically ensured that I didn't need to, cause I'm tall. I'm a very, very tall man. I'm six foot eight and, and it doesn't matter. I'm not terribly muscular or strong or anything like that. It doesn't matter just by being tall people. I, I mean, I've seen people who are clearly bullies, like giving me a look like, Oh my God, you're going to come near me <laughs> just because I was in the vicinity. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't thinking anything. I wasn't, I wasn't even looking their way. And all of a sudden they're giving me this eye, you know? So I, I think that's been my best form of self-defense, but for somebody who doesn't have the advantage of having, you know, the extra inches piled on top, Mm-hmm. I, I love what you guys learn and what you guys have picked up to to attain that level of self-confidence. Where I think people can really perceive your lack of fear and it freaks mm. them out. Like I, I know, like I've, I've watched women walk across dark parking lots, hunched up, obviously mm. projecting fear, projecting weakness. Like if I was a mugger, that's the one I would pick. 
Yeah, yeah. And I I walk like a freaking truck driver. Like I feel sorry for the guy that tries anything with me, but um, <laughs> nobody has really <laughs> seriously tried anything yet. So uh, I think I I project gorilla. Let's talk about yeah, some of the other ways. Was- Oh, go ahead. No, I, yeah. I talk too much, so hold, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quiet, Will. <laughs> um, Natalie, there, there was this guy in the sauna. He said to me, um, I saw this in the newspaper the other day. What do you make of it? So I said, what's this? So he said um, there were um, nine pedophiles and there were nine little girls in a room. And the pedophiles were looking through the one... Uh, through the one-way glass at the girls and they came in one by one and they said, which girl would you choose each one of them? And each one of the pedophiles chose exactly the same girl. He said, what do you make of that? Because they, they target the ones who need that, that um, positive influence in their life. The, the girls that haven't had, that positive father figure or don't have a lot of self-esteem because they are much more vulnerable to somebody who's going to pay them attention and make them feel special. And they have radar for, for mm-hmm. that kind of thing. The, yeah, the girls that are, are well adjusted and have that self-confidence, it's just too much work. Just go mm-hmm. find an easier victim. And, and then are they victims? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, what I mean is, um, if it's self-inflicted, if you're, if you're thinking these thoughts and you're obviously going to start drawing, if you understand the law of attraction, those mm-hmm. kind of people, um, are you a victim or are you really, um, somebody who's created their reality? Oh, well, I think that's a pretty high standard for a child if we're still talking about children. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't think you can really hold somebody to that standard if they don't fully understand that they have a choice because a lot of people feel like they don't, like they don't have control or that they're, they're powerless and they, they don't understand that they do have the power and they can make a choice. Once back to what I originally said, um, first thing we should learn at school is this is how it works. Absolutely. Mm. Once, once someone clearly understands that they do have the power to claim their own reality, then then with that, I think also comes the responsibility that you can no longer blame somebody else. That's an interesting but question. But again, ignorance of the law is no excuse, is it? <laughs> well, that's but totally it, torn me. <laughs> it's, an, it's an interesting question, though, because I ask myself, if our school, now this would be a big stretch, I have to admit, but if our schools actually did teach kids the nature of, what happens when you focus your attention continuously on you know, what feels bad to you, what you don't like, what you disapprove of and so forth versus treating yourself well, focusing your attention on stuff that you know, builds you up and so forth. If, if they actually taught that, I wonder what would happen to the whole dialogue where bullying in school is concerned. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what my, my sense is. My sen- yeah, that, my sense is that would go away. Absolutely. What do you, what do you think, Natalie? Okay. I, I'm reminded of what my whitewater kayak instructor told me right before he threw me into this class four rapid. He said, don't look at the rock or you're going to hit the rock. Look at where you want to go, not where you don't yeah. want to go. Mm. Absolutely. I've done white river rafting as well. <laughs> 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 On the mighty Zambezi River. <laughs> Ooh, that's amazing. 
from Victoria Falls downwards. You know, wow. So. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a bucket list trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Did, did he really I know. The hippos kind of freak me out, though. I know they can bite your boat in half. They, they can, but um, <laughs> these guys have been teaching white river rafting there for centuries. They know exactly mm. I mean, you, you're, you're sailing down and you see the crocodile on the side there, <laughs> yawning at you as you go past. It's bigger than your raft. <laughs> mm. But did, did he really throw you in? Uh, well, it was either that or they're going to leave my ass on the side of the river. So, <laughs> No, what, what they do right in the beginning with wide river rafting is they, they make sure everybody goes into the water first, straight away, so that you get used to being wet and, mm-hmm. and comfortable with it. So oh, okay. But he, he doesn't actually physically do. throw you in. I, would, I mean, that just no, sounds no, no, to me. No, the rapids do that. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually in a kayak. We spent we spent several days learning the Eskimo roll on, in, a, in a lake first before they threw us in the river. Right. But after that, it was right, like, all right, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Duck when the tree branch comes at your head. <laughs> Is this tempting you at all? What? Because I'm, I'm not, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> my my brother surprisingly was the one who did that, and he's like a dark horse in this area because he never showed it growing up. But then um, about oh, when was it? I'm going to say 15 years ago, something like that. My wife and I got uh, a message from him. I think it was a text message saying that he'd just gone bungee jumping. Mm. And my first reaction was, my brother went bungee jumping? <laughs> really? <laughs> you, you know, the White River rafting we were in, we, we got thrown out. And one of the, the Austrian um, friends of ours, he, he was there. And we wanted to pull him in the boat, but he was resisting getting pulled back in the boat. We kind of pulled, and he kept on saying, kaput, kaput. So so what what's kaput? What's broken? You know, what? what? <laughs> And eventually we just hauled him in and he was completely naked and, you know, lost his oh pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that almost happened to me. So, so, so this <laughs> happens quite often. So, so the guy who runs it, he, 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 he's got an extra pair of shorts. He takes them off. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but then these shorts have got a hole right in the wrong place. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that was a fun journey. Oh, yeah. I'm going to stay away from that ride. <laughs> I was uh, cave tubing in Belize and um, oh, somebody cool. crashed into me from behind and pushed me into, uh, I think it was a bamboo thicket, but uh, something that had thorns instantly, like Ooh. these vines with thorns wrapped around yeah. me. My Ooh. tube exploded and it basically ripped half my shorts off. I was wearing oh bicycle shorts. Yeah. And uh, I, I was very grateful that I chose to wear underwear that day, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you normally don't. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is fun. This has been a really fun conversation. <laughs> um, we, we're, we're beginning to run out of time, and I, I want to make sure we get this in before we completely run out, uh, because obviously you get this stuff. You got it down pat. You're still learning it, like we all do. But my goodness, you it's really an do ongoing know this journey. Um, you got to let people know more about how to reach you, how to uh, find out about your, your coaching practice, Absolutely. all the stuff that you do. Give, give people some details about that. Absolutely. Thank you. So my website is nolimitscoachingnow.com, and it's basically split into two halves. I have a half that's dedicated to weight loss, and I have half that's dedicated to stress management. And there is a free video or video series that people can uh, pick up on either side, depending on what they're interested in. There's a little link they can click to email me and to schedule a free session if they want to have a conversation. 
but I'm, I'm really delving pretty heavily into stress management uh, through the program that I'm in right now. Positive intelligence has been completely life-changing and it's, uh, it's only going to get better. So I am very excited to be able to offer this program to other people at less than what they would pay if they signed up on the Positive Intelligence website. So uh, it, it would be my pleasure and my honor to bring other people along on this journey that I've been enjoying so much so far. And we really didn't have a chance to talk about any of that, but, but talk mm-hmm. about Positive Intelligence. What's that all about? It is, oh my gosh, I don't know that I have words to describe it. More than anything else, I would, I would describe it as a mental fitness program because really what it teaches is for you to be able to have the tools to maintain a positive mindset, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what challenges you're facing, no matter what difficulties you're struggling with, and not only to be able to maintain a positive mindset more than what you, what you could before, but it, it's, it's not realistic to say that no one is ever going to have a moment when they're stressed out or when they're just in in the pit of some kind of negative emotional storm but recovery time drastically improved i when i when i was in the er or if i had a really bad day at work like you know a 20 hour shift just just nonstop it used to take me a good two or three days to recover mentally to where I felt like I wasn't going to have a panic attack at the idea of going back to work i'm down to about 20 minutes now I'm I'm completely fine by the time I get home, and it's all because of the tools that I've learned through positive intelligence. I've learned to recognize how I my own thought patterns are creating obstacles for me in my life. I can I can interrupt those cycles on purpose very quickly, shift to a much more productive mindset, and more than anything else, I've I've rediscovered that sense of empathy for myself that I think I lost probably sometime when I was a child. Mm. And it's, it's been such a breath of fresh air to find it again. And with that has come this, this unconditional self-acceptance. And again, with that has come this sense of optimism and peace and contentment that I don't think I've had for 30 years. Wow. So I I can't say enough about this program and that doesn't even do it justice, that description. I mean, obviously, we'd have to probably spend a few hours to talk about all of it in detail. But give us like one little flavor, one little taste to give us an idea. What, what, what is? Give us a one like one little piece of a tool. Yeah. So the first thing, my first introduction to this program was taking the saboteur assessment, which anybody can do. You can go to positiveintelligence.com/saboteurs and take a ten-minute assessment. And there are there are basically 10 saboteurs, which are your default behavior and thought patterns that you created from childhood and carried into your adult life that are actually creating more problems for you than what they are solving. And for me, my number one was the hyperachiever. And I can easily trace that back to my uh, my childhood because my father was very disengaged. He never really had the time of day for me. And I tried to be the best student and, you know, to win all the awards and to be the best Girl Scout. And I, I just always tried to do so much better than everybody else just so that I could get a kind word or some kind of recognition mm-hmm. for him. And it was never enough. So I would try harder and harder and harder. And I just became this compulsive hyperachiever. And looking back, I realized how much of my own emotional distress that that has caused and how much of my self-identity was tied up in my ability to do all these things and to to achieve all these things. But then, for example, like I think this is probably why I, I became so obsessed with the martial arts, 
because it was so cool and so empowering. And it was, it was just all these things. It just made me feel so jazzed. And then when I tore my ACL, I was off the mat for six months. I couldn't train anymore. All of a sudden, I didn't know who I was. I'm, I, I can't go do all this cool stuff anymore. I was, I felt so worthless because all of my, my self-worth had been tied up in what I could do instead of who I was on the inside. So, and that's, that's just one, uh, you know, the very, the very first light bulb that I had from, from taking that assessment. And, so, uh, so yeah. for anybody who's ever had uh, questions about, you know, what, what is holding me back? What, what are my, my root issues? What, what, what where do I need to start? That, there's a nice, easy way to identify it if you haven't been Absolutely. able to identify it. Yeah. Very eye opening. I, I would highly encourage anybody to go and take that assessment and read, read the results. And I was shocked because like I said, there's 10 saboteurs. I have every single one of them. <laughs> and this, well, congratulations. Was, this was after I had already gone through, you know, three years with my life coach and another year in coach training. And I was like, Oh, I've done all this, this uh, self-development work. I got a lot of work to do. Mm. <laughs> got a long way to go. But recognition and, and, and acknowledgement, that's, that's huge because now you know yeah. where to go. Yeah. And because honestly, most people go to their grave, never looking at their own thought patterns and their own behaviors and asking themselves, how could I do better? Mm, yeah. This has been great. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today thank and for sharing your wisdom with, with all of us. Aww. And uh, I, I also want to do something I've been making a regular practice and I'm, I'm appreciating the fact that I do it more and more every single time. I want to do it with you too. There are many people whom you have never met, whom you've never seen, who have heard you speak or have seen something that you've written, whose lives you have touched in a positive way. And you'll never oh. know it. You'll never see it. Right. But on their behalf, thank you for what you do because oh, what you do so impacts sweet. so many thank people. Thank you so much. Oh, that just, that's give me a warm flutter in my heart. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. We really appreciate you. And Anne-Marie and Louis, we thank you and appreciate you as well. Wonderful to meet you all. Thank Thanks you all. Well. Thank you to our podcast Thanks. listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.